Uh, and I'm here really, uh, the Western Heritage Center uh, is a community-based museum, but we do work throughout the Yellowstone River Valley, and uh, we make a great effort to reach out into this community, uh, whether it's through walking tours, through public programming, uh, through creating traveling exhibits. You'll see a couple of them at the museum tonight. Um, and so one of the uh, grants uh, that I'm going to talk about, I, actually, I'm, I'm a nuts and bolts person, so I just put everything up there. We applied four times and uh, we've received three grants from the Montana History Foundation. Uh, the first in 2015 for $5,000, which was actually a cash match uh, grant uh, with the public library in here, uh, town. So I'll talk mostly about that. But, um, you know, anybody from Billings will tell you this is a great time to be in history in Billings. We have a mayor who's very supportive of history. We have a chamber of commerce that's very supportive. We have a uh, managing editor of the Billings Gazette, on and on, Doug Miles at Color 8, the TV stations. Uh, and, it's, and it goes the same for all of our partners in this community. We all take great pride in uh, serving the people of this region. And uh, so uh, I'll talk about one of the projects that was funded well. Uh, as I said, it was called the 150 Documents Project. The Montana History Foundation uh, supported us with $5,000 to match the Billings Public Library. And it was part of the transition for the public library to move uh, from uh, basically uh, its old venue to a new venue. And uh, we had so much fun because there were just file cabinets filled with unknown cool stuff. And uh, a team of four of us, uh, Tracy Livingston, who had worked at the Buffalo Bill Museum, and Cody, Joyce Jensen, a community historian, uh, Dr. Jane Weaver from the Frick Museum in New York, and I and myself <coughs> basically had this free reign looking through all of the collections. We helped with some of the scanning for photographs, getting them ready for the Montana Memory Project. And then uh, in the process, uh, we whittled it down, and then we picked 150 of our favorite documents to basically scan, and I'm going to share some of those. And it really is staggering, uh, some of the stuff that we found. So this is just uh, an example of some of the things. This poster on the right there is 22 by 38 inches. We found it in a folder, and it was like the size of a small tissue. And I started unfolding it and unfolding it and unfolding it until it was actually a poster. So these items are all items, original uh, items that were in the vertical files of the public library uh, that we selected to scan at high resolution uh, to do uh, more extensive research about each uh, object and then get them ready for the Montana Memory Project. So. If you're familiar with the uh, Liberty Bond movement uh, during World War One and the Montana Council Defense, there was a, especially in Billings, we've been talking about this recently with some of our programming, uh, there was a very strong movement to be very patriotic in Billings in Yellowstone County. If you were not patriotic, patriotic enough, you were sometimes selected and picked out. And, and one story I'll give you. Uh, the Grand Marshal of the July 4th Parade in 1914, uh, courtesy Omi, less than three year, years later was selected as one of the people who wasn't considered patriotic enough here in Billings and was made to parade downtown with a flag and resign from the state architectural board. So a lot of these artifacts really kind of help supplement that story. This is a, a, an example 
the Sheriff's Proclamation here in Yellowstone County, 1917. Just about a week or so after the war had been announced, there was already uh, kind of this movement to make sure that you supported the actions of the war, to support the soldiers. Buying Liberty Bonds was one way you could do that. And really, this document is saying we're going to protect all citizens, but toward the end it does say, um, basically, if you give any aid or comfort of any kind, you will be called out. So we see these kind of documents arise during wartime. So what you have here is the documents, scanned high resolution, and on the right we would do research, as I said, for each document, kind of give a little background, do some reference and citations. So when it went to the Montana Memory Project, you would already have some basis to which to start and which to interpret these materials. Uh, the same with this incredible collection of women's rights and Montana suffragist materials. Again, some of the stuff I had never seen before. So you can imagine our excitement, you know, historians, you know, four of us are going, oh my God, look at this, you know. <laughs> this is fantastic, you know, people in the library looking at us kind of oddly, you know. Um, but one of the things I love, too, is all of these fantastic documents, not only in support of the suffragist movement and the women's right to vote, Vote. But what was to me almost more intriguing is a whole series of documents the Montana Association opposed to women's suffrage. And I had never seen any of these documents, so when we talk about women's suffrage, we always hear about Jeanette Rankin and her, uh, you know, her capable uh, you know, movement toward getting women the right to vote in Montana in 1914. Well, apparently, the Montana Association opposed to women's suffrage moved right across the street from her in Butte and uh, had their setup. So you really get to see, like in a document like this, what the other side is thinking. You know, I know in one instance it says, uh, you know, we, we didn't marry our husbands for no reason. We married these men because they could make these decisions for you. You know, that's still interesting. It's, it's, it's a piece of evidence. Don't faint back there. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it is, I, I love these types of original documents which you can compare the stories that we sometimes even know in a really great familiarity. So, like I said, the, the details, some of the description of when the organization was founded is there. Um, Here's another example, uh, the Good Roads uh, Convention uh, brochure that was the minutes of proceedings uh, you know, in great detail. The Good Roads Movement basically comes out of the bicycle movement during the 1890s to improve roads. The Good Roads Movement, when the automobile comes around, takes over, and the idea is that each town would participate in trying to construct roads from place to place. And so here you have a document right in the early days of that movement, these minutes. Maybe, I, you know, as far as I know, some of these things have never been seen before. So there are original documents that are adding to our stories. Uh, another example, uh, you know, I think this is a more familiar uh, pamphlet. I've actually seen this at the Montana Historical Society, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, a short history that was written, uh, again, uh, back in, you know, forming in 1911. So a lot of these documents, I don't, we don't know who put those documents in there either. The public library was kind of a free-for-all for a long time. People would just go to the vertical files and stop, you know, start dropping stuff in. So there's no context about really what was there. There was no record of what was there. So like I said, it's not only the 150 documents uh, that we did, but we also scanned thousands of pages of other materials as well as historic photographs. You know, and uh, 
you know, this kind of stuff surprised me. A 1917 bulletin that was apparently hung at the public library, which is actually where our museum is now. Uh, you know, health department bulletins for scarlet fever, uh, for the Spanish flu, which I was familiar with, uh, for smallpox. So you're seeing these uh, health bulletins. Uh, for me, personally, I didn't realize scarlet fever was still an issue in 1917. So we're finding original documents out of these folders that were a part of our public library in 1917 telling us about these awful uh, diseases and uh, contagions that were out there. Uh, and again, here's another example. There was a whole series of typed documents from what was called the Billings Liberal Club. Now, the first slide was on the Liberty Bond. And of course, you know, the controversy for that, if you weren't patriotic enough, you could be called out. There's a whole series of documents from what's called the Liberal Club of Billings from 1917. This one is on war and the failure of religion. And what this person is arguing in this, uh, I, I think it's like 12 page long paper is basically Christian nations were fighting Christian nations during World War I, which to this person from Billings seemed to be a failure of Christianity. He didn't blame it on God, he blamed it on the people who interpret the Bible. So to me, this like, I, I don't know if this was an underground document, but somewhere at some point, somebody dropped the whole series of these Billings Liberal Club type mimeographic uh, uh, pages in the uh, collections of the library. And again, all of these uh, are either available in the Montana Memory Project or will be available. And uh, the last document, uh, and again, I'm just giving you a sample and you can see how amazing some of these documents are. This is a 1943 document, uh, over 20 pages uh, documenting Heart Mountain's Japanese relocation camp. I've read two or three books about this camp, and I've never seen this actual document referenced. So not only, it's very interesting too, as you get into the meat of it, it's like how are they gonna incorporate Buddhism into the camp? How are they gonna feed the people food that's actually appetizing to the Japanese? A lot of these things that I've never seen before uh, show up in these types of documents. So again, the Montana Memory Project will take this on. And as I said, uh, almost 1,500 photographs were documented in this collection. Uh, this is just three of my favorite. Uh, the Muscle River Valley 79 Ranch was actually a whole photo album taken over the course of a couple years. Really good quality photos. The album itself is in terrible condition. On the lower right-hand corner, um, the Sugar Beet Factory built a housing project in the 1930s to keep Hispanic populations over the winter. And so this is one of the few, if only picture I've ever seen, of that housing project at the Sugar Beet grounds, what was known as a colonia. And in the upper left is the Custer Battlefield reenactment here in Billings. And as an aside, this is actually a kind of a comical story. Uh, you can see the railroad cars. They actually are the, the boundary of the, of the uh, reenactment. And this is like 1911, so the automobile is starting to play a story in this. Well, apparently the newspaper said, the day before it said, historically accurate reproduction of Custer Battlefield. <laughs> well, historically is spelled wrong. <laughs> and then the next line was, Crow Indians versus federal government. <laughs> well, oh, 
see, this audience understands that, right? So the crow were uh, actually provided scouts for Custer. Uh, and then it's, the day after this event, the newspapers announced, you will never see another Custer battlefield reenactment because wagons and automobiles disrupted the battle as it was going on. So, so you know, there's like these little whimsical stories, too, that are really fun and part of our history, too, are there. So, so that, that's the first grant. The second grant is, uh, obviously, anybody who knows collections know that artifacts don't shrink or, well, maybe they disappear over time, but they shouldn't. Uh, but, you know, the idea, of course, in collections is to slow down the process of decomposition. Everything's decomposing. Our job is try to slow that process down through controlling light, temperature, humidity, things like that. Uh, we got a grant for $835, which allowed us to really take care of our whole photo collections at the Western Heritage Center uh, and buy new boxes to be able to get mylar sleeves. Like a mylar sleeve over on the right there alone is about $25 a sleeve. So, you know, if you ever want to support your local museum, you can always buy them archival stuff. Uh, it's very pricey, you know, it's a... Uh, you know, archivally sensitive materials. Again, you know, our photos are inside the box in an envelope, uh, you know, in controlled situations. So, and then the uh, third project is basically uh, one that we're working on now for, uh, for $3,000. We got a grant basically to reorganize our collections. So again, we're protecting the collections through these boxes, through the archival supplies. But now we're in the process of actually reconfiguring our whole collections area. This actually uh, is an office for three people. And I'm not a big fan of overhead, uh, what is it, the, the lighting right there? So what we did is we moved all the staff out of that back room, which, you know, whimsically is known as the honeymoon suite. Uh, and we're really dedicating that whole space to archival preservation. So this is what it looked like. This is where it's going right now. And uh, we just received, um, like I said, the $3,000 to really address our artwork. Um, this is a really bad picture. It already looks much better in there. Uh, but we've received collections from uh, the Dale and Mary Hawkins collection recently in the last five years or seven years ago. And also from the J.K. Ralston Museum, we took on their collection. So there's a really a strong need to find new shelving, uh, ways to protect the art. These are some of the examples of what we received just in the last 10 years. Uh, William Standing, the Assiniboine artist on the lower right. Uh, Hans Kleiber from uh, Wyoming. You know, of course, the J. J.K. Ralston, Clyde Aspavig. Actually, we had an exhibit of Aspavig. He didn't like this one because it was so old. It was one of his earlier works, and I, th I think it's actually our most spectacular painting. But uh, uh, and then uh, probably a couple more of the high ends. We actually received a Joseph Henry Sharp painting from the Hawkins collection. Charles Partridge Adams and uh, J.K. Ralston. So we're in the process. Uh, if you don't know about the grants, I, I even put the letter. We love letters that say, you just got funded. Um, so, you know, we received $2,400 and uh, of the 3,000. So you get 80% up front and uh, you save all your receipts. They want to know every expenditure that you do. So uh, we can prove that we bought all of the stuff. We just haven't built it yet. So I think we still have two months, and we have about three days where we're going to move everything out of the art room, rebuild all the shelving, get it ready to go, 
photograph, document, and get it right back in and clean it up. So, um, so thank you.